honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Urban Misfits Show. We have Sam and Ken from Bolter and Lincoln, and we really dive into um, how they're able to build and manage relationships for brands and for influencers in today's age. So I'm super excited about this week's episode. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Urban Misfit Show. I'm super excited because I was just on their podcast. We've got Sam and Ken. Hey, guys. Hey. How we doing? Doing all right. Doing well. Doing all right. Love the space. Love love everything about this. I love room. The, the the weather talk, the rip off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like the blank walls in here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you can draw all over them. I mean, it's a great creative space, yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, just you know, bust out the washable markers. Ooh, go! <laughs> <laughs> love it. Well, just to start out, can you guys walk us through what you do, um, and more importantly, like how you've been able to get to where you are? Yeah. individually collectively however you want to answer that yeah okay uh sam i don't know you want to dive into some bnl stuff and- yeah yeah let's do it so well we'll first start ken and i both work at belter and lincoln which is down the third ward just a couple blocks from from this office we're both in the pr and social media department so we're doing anything from pitching journalists to writing or we manage all the organic social media so like none of the paid campaigns although we have our a say into those as well Mm -hmm. um influencer marketing um we create micro video content kind of like mobile photography for a lot of clients so pretty much anything you can think of underneath public relations digital social media where we have our hands in um but yeah, so so personally, I um, I went to school at Carroll University in Waukesha. Um, so smaller school, love that. Now BNL is kind of a, <clears throat> a smaller agency, which I also love. Really, really like family, family oriented. You can kind of bring ideas from the bottom up, which I really like. Um, but yeah, so I went to school at Carroll and then moved here, moved to Milwaukee three years ago now. And yeah, really love, really love this city and, and started yeah marketing degree and then kind of jumped right into agency life right away with, with uh, Belter and Lincoln as an internship, which turned into a full-time job for me. So, nice. Yeah. I had a similar yet very different path. <laughs> From Sam, uh, also went to a, a smaller school. I went to Ripon College. Uh, grew up in the Milwaukee Tosa area, so I'm very familiar with the area. Love it. I'm back, obviously, so I definitely do like it. Even though the weather gets pretty damn cold, yeah, we don't want to talk about it right now. Uh, but yeah, I went to went to Ripon College. Wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but fell in love with the newspaper there. Ended up as the editor there, and ended up getting into journalism post-college. So I worked for a couple of uh, small town newspapers in the Wisconsin Dells area. Really liked, you know, sharing other people's stories there. I was always kind of like the man in the background, but in small towns like Reedsburg and Portage, I was also pretty well known around town too, which is sort of interesting. Yeah. And uh, worked with a lot of great people in those spots. And um, PR was always considered kind of like the dark side. So it's somewhat ironic that I now find myself in PR, <laughs> but it, it definitely isn't. We don't have any, at Belter and Lincoln, we don't have any evil clients or anything like that, as far as I know. Um, so it's uh, it's been a good and easy transition for me, although I've been at BNL now for about six years, which is kind of hard to believe. But uh, 
yeah, going from journalism and, you know, telling stories, like understanding what the story is, being able to dive deep into it and then share it is something that I really enjoy doing there. And I still get to kind of do that now in PR. So I love that. I love both of those. Um, I want to dive a little bit deeper into that um, just because that's one that's incredible, but like now you're, you're on the opposite side. So what would you say are some things that, that those journalists are looking for now in a story? Like what are some tangible things that maybe an entrepreneur or anybody that's looking to get out there, they should put in their story and approach those people with. Right. Um, Well, (laughs) and everybody's going to say this and it's just kind of a matter of how you, how can you define yourself as truly unique? I feel like that's a word that gets, you know, used quite a bit. Like I've got this unique story or this unique product and everyone does have their own special path to how they got to where they are or to what, you know, they're ultimately trying to do. But you've got to, you've got to kind of like dig deeper yourself and finding what is it that I offer that nobody else can. And whether that's a service or a product or a destination or whatever, everyone's got their own voice And it's really just being able to communicate in an authentic sort of way. I mean, just being real with who you are, what you're trying to accomplish. And that's something that uh, can put you on the right path, at least with getting coverage on yourself. And I mean, go ahead. Yeah. I would say from a real tactical point of view, I would say like if you were talking like entrepreneurs trying to get coverage and if it's TV, if it's print, if it's digital, whatever, if you can have a, a media kit of yourself that you can have just a Dropbox folder of, right? Like no, no cost associated. Maybe you're taking pictures on your iPhone and whatever that has to be of like a headshot, a couple of shots of like you doing whatever your business is, some actionable. And even if some video, like those kind of mm-hmm. things will make it so much easier for a journalist to say, yes, I want to cover you. Not only for the reasons Ken said, like it's relevant to the audience. It's a local story. It's it's a unique story. But then you're making it easy for the journalist. That's the that's the part that a lot of people don't understand. They think that just because who they are, people are going to flock to them, which, yes, there's a certain one percent of people that have that privilege of like, okay, yeah, you just created something really, really buzzworthy. You're viral. Go ahead. But everyone else, you kind of have to sludge through the mud a little to say, hey, I want to make your life easier than the person before me. And I have the prerequisite of having a unique story. Right. So it's think really tactical on that point, too. That's a, that's a perfect point. And I mean, as a as a former journalist, I wouldn't call myself lazy, but certainly anytime, anytime <laughs> that you could make it easier on a journalist, the better, yeah. because they are getting swamped with lots of people trying to tell their story, trying to talk about themselves or what they're doing in the community. And if you can say, hey, I'm doing this. And by the way, here's video of me doing it. Here's photos. Here's, a you know, a quick one sheet fact sheet on who I am and what I'm doing. It's like, these are opportunities to kind of give yourself a leg up when you're going to the press or a a journalist or a blogger or someone that can share your story. And don't be afraid to kind of be your own PR person. I feel like originally when PR was more formal and maybe more print focused, it was almost like, Oh wow, he's so arrogant or he's, you know, he's representing himself. But like now really you're, you have to be your own PR engine, you know, even if it is just, I'm doing PR on Instagram through the DM feature. Like that to me is PR as much as doing PR for Coca-Cola would be right. Like you have to be able to 
tell your story. And Q, I think you do a really, really good job of this is just being able to say, this is me. And we, we talked about this on the, the show a couple of weeks ago. You know, you, the first view versus the 10 millionth view, you yeah. still have to export that same story, that same brand, because if you change, then the, the media, the consumer, they're all going to say, okay, well, their PR has become fake. Their PR has become not, they're not really wanting to relate to me. You lose the public relations part of it then, right? Which is, I think, what we always look for when we're talking to brands and journalists too. Mm-hmm. So. That's awesome. Yeah. It is. It's, it's actionable. That's what I like. Um, I was listening to um, a podcast with Sean Cannell. He's like a big YouTuber. And the quote that he said was, different is always going to be better than better, which I think mm. goes back to your your authenticity and just finding that that unique value prop that you have that sets you apart from everybody else. So I love that. That's and I love the, again, the actionable, put this in the media <clears throat> kit and st- things that people just don't think about or people are just afraid to do. Yep. Because again, they feel, they feel like, I don't want to be too into myself, you know? Right. So yeah. I dig that. And definitely think digital media kit when we're talking media <laughs> yeah, kits. Okay. Because I mean, a lot, a lot of people, you know, it's easy to go old school. Like, here's my folder with a zip drive and, you know, actual, you know, sheets I, your of Your Manila folder. <laughs> hey, I mean, if you're going to like some trade show or like writer conference <laughs> or whatever, like, you know, sure, go go nuts. You know, <laughs> have at it. But I mean, you know, digital <laughs> media kits. Yeah. Wave of the future, guys. <laughs> How would you define PR? <laughs> defining PR. Wow. What a simple question. It's so difficult to answer. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, really you're talking about, um, the, the public perception of yourself or organization, I would say. And, uh, because I mean, it's, we're, we're constantly trying to achieve coverage for our clients, but maybe there is something that is, I don't want to say nefarious, but maybe something that we don't want necessarily getting out. And then sometimes it's just kind of making sure that that kind of stuff doesn't get out into the media. Um, so really, I mean, I, I feel like it's it's largely built in a public perception arena, yeah. if that makes any sort of sense. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think the big words that count, because everything he just said is is so spot on, but I think the big words for me are you're telling timely and true stories. And I think if you don't have both of those, sometimes PR falls flat any campaign, right? Because if you're telling, hey, and we work with Door County Visitor Bureau, for example, if you're telling people to come visit in the winter, but you're trying to tell, talk to them in the summer. Obviously that's a clear example, timely, right? And if you're trying to tell a false story where we have the best water parks in the world, okay, well they don't have zero water parks. So you're, you know, right. So you have to figure out where is that timeliness and where is that truth in whatever story. And I think we always try to think even the biggest brands we're working with, how does that boil down to a person, right? Because people are always going to relate and respond to that honesty that comes out of time and truth, I think. Nice. What do you guys, so both, both of you guys, and you mentioned a lot about stories. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? There's a huge push right now, uh, whether it be on LinkedIn, you go on Instagram, you go on anything, everybody's telling each other to tell each other's stories. Mm. Why do you think that's so important for someone, let's say like my intern outside? Yeah. And you're saying like for them to create and tell those stories? Yeah. Why do you yeah. think it's important for anybody? Just that yeah. normal Joe Schmo. Yeah. Um, 
to tell a story. I think, um, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I really, really like Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V mm-hmm. and just his, his content is really good. And his biggest quote, and so I won't say this is mine is document versus create. Right. And I think like that is something that I always try to think about if it's PR, if it's my own life and no matter who you are, if you have 10, if you're Will Smith, who just reinvented himself from movie star to YouTube personality, incredible job. Like, yes. right. I mean, that's the example of document versus create, because if he wrote out movie star, he was, he was a dying star. He literally would would have not had any following in five years. Now he's reinvented himself. Mm-hmm. So even if you are the most popular star in the world, or if you are just out of college, if you're a, you know, a eighth grade slime maker, right. Which is a huge trend for middle schoolers, yeah. wherever you are, if you can document, people are going to resonate with that story so much more than if you're like, even yes, the best YouTube creators, they aren't just running B roll. They're talking to the camera, right. They're telling that story in midst of them, actually creating and, and showing off their skills too. So I, I mean, that's, that's why I always think document over create. Yes. Before, you, before you go, I just want to go into that because everybody says document, yeah. don't create. And I totally agree. But what does documenting mean and yeah. what does creating mean? That's, a, I mean, shoot, that's a really good question. And I think it's, I think each person has their own opinion of that too, because, you know, immediately when you say document, I think, oh, like, face first camera and you're telling, Hey everyone, I came out here. I got this, you know, coffee. Now I'm at this meeting. And like, that's a fine style for a lot of people, a lot of creators. And it's not like the CEO of Coca-Cola is going to go document his day for Coca-Cola's channels. But I think there is whatever that document is, it's telling those timely, truthful stories that can be never you showing your face, but you're telling other people's stories. But I think what happens is creators sometimes they spill over into this idea of like uh, inauthentic and dishonest because they're creating things that aren't reflective of someone's real life. Because creators, we all know that that whatever you see on an Instagram influencer or celebrities page, it's not always reflective of real life or a mommy blogger. Okay. We know the kid just threw up on you two minutes ago. Right. But now you're <laughs> posting that you, you know, they were sleeping for five hours and you made 75 cookies. Like we know that's not actually true. Right. So yeah. there's that authenticity where Creating for the sake of telling a lie, that's where I think draws the line. But creating for the sake of showing, showcasing a skill that a lot of people like, like, why do you go to the movies? Because these people created in a world we know do, that doesn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. They told a story. And I think that's, it's more about defining what's not creating than what is documenting, if that makes sense to yeah. me. I like that. So, yeah. As someone who grew up in uh, really the 90s, I mean, I was born in the, the mid 80s, but uh, I watched a lot of. TV sitcoms in the 90s. And to me, these situational comedies is kind of what Sam is referring to as like a creator, these contrived scenes, something that isn't natural in the flow of this person's life or something that wouldn't be very natural in really anybody's life. And I think that the documenting part is truly, you know, getting back to my old journalism days, just reporting on this is what I'm doing. And a lot of times, you know, these people, whether they're, you know, an entrepreneur or a CEO for a company or a major influencer on social media networks, these people are already living pretty interesting lives and doing interesting things, going to interesting places. And so, I mean, just simply, you know, setting the scene on, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm documenting my life right now. This is what's going on today. And people love seeing that. Because there's an element of, oh man, that's just like me. I do that too. Mm -hmm. And then there's also maybe that element of, dang, that looks really awesome. And I wish I was this person and I had their life. (laughs) There's the wanderlust. Man, I wish I could do, yeah, I wish I could do some of these things that this person is doing. 
So uh, to me, that's kind of what the, the document documenting versus creating kind of boils down to the biggest word you said was relate, right? It goes back to public relations, right? So how, mm-hmm. if a person cannot relate to the content you're putting out, mm-hmm. then therefore it fails in my opinion, right? Because it's either needs to create this wanderlust of, I relate to the fact that I also want to be there. Like that's really cool. Or I relate because he share, he or she shares the same problems that I have in a day, day to day life too. Yeah. I, I think with stories, especially like stories specifically and, I can go into the document versus uh, the other side, but the the story is more than anything. Especially like we've been able to grow to to the point we are just by telling our individual stories, but then telling the that. team's individual stories, yeah. and it's just crazy important. I've been even stressing to like my mom and my dad, like, <laughs> "Hey, I'm not telling you to go make a LinkedIn video, but just." know that you're interesting too. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. a lot of people maybe from the, their generation don't realize that, that like I they agree. realize maybe the celebrities from their age are interesting, but they aren't interesting more. You talk to my mom, he's talked to my mom or my dad, like they're, everyone's interesting yeah. people. Everyone has their, like you said before, they're, everybody has their own unique story. Um, but they, yeah, that's incredible. I think um, another question that I've been completely obsessed with in the last couple of weeks is um, obviously you guys both went to school, graduated from college. What do you guys think there's, what do you guys think you've learned outside of college that like an essential skill mm-hmm. that you have today that you didn't learn in school? Okay. That could have been taught. That could, that should have been or could have been? been. Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you got something? I, I got something. <laughs> go, go Sam. Let me, let me think for a I'm second. A little- <laughs> I'm a little. I mean, there's. I definitely have. I definitely have a few that I could <laughs> yeah, go to. Right. I mean, there's. I think you know what. I'm three or four years out, so it's like a little, little more relevant, like to me right now. Yeah. Are we the I same age? I just turned 25. Damn, yeah. the same age. Yeah. Why do you look birthday? so much older than me? Damn, <laughs> <laughs> you look like I'm 12, man. <laughs> when was your birthday? Yesterday. Oh, but, oh I commented on your post. Okay, <laughs> happy hey, belated. Happy belated. Happy belated. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, I think I just remember that. Okay. <laughs> happy belated birthday again. Appreciate it. Um, what was I saying? Okay, s- school. Yes. So I've, I've gone back and visited Carol's small school. They always try to engage with alumni. I've gone back and, and spoken to marketing classes mm. and it's funny because I love my education. So like anything I'm about to say, do not think like Carol's a bad school, but I go back to marketing classes and I, I almost kind of like, I laugh looking at the kids in, in the chairs. Cause I'm like, if you guys like everything you're hearing right now, like in, in the chapter, in the unit, whatever the book says, it's really not, it has no teeth. Right. Like that isn't, that's my gut reaction. Like everything I remember, it had no teeth for me. It was like checking the box of the grades that I needed to get. Right. And that taught me consistency, organization, responsibility. Fine. But in my opinion, you should go to, you should go to college for one year and then you should have three years of intensive internships. Mm -hmm. And truly, truly, I believe that. I think the first year should be how to be an adult. They should teach you basic financial classes. Like seriously, right? Like things when like how to do laundry, maybe they're not teaching out a folder, whatever. Retweet, But, but like there's that initial trial by fire when you first get there where you're like, I got to eat for myself. I got to cook. Oh my gosh. Right. Like that's an initial life lesson, but they should teach you basic college classes and maybe one class from your major. And then someone, a mentor, a professor should literally take you and sign up three companies that you're going to do or six companies in six semesters, whatever that's going to be. Cause I truly believe the things I never learned were like actual hard skill 
software programs. Let's say if it's like video, if it's audio, like the real world skills that way. And then just how to talk to people without being nervous or like think that you don't have anything smart to say. Because I I truly believe I I do. um, I do a lot of improv comedy on the side just as a hobby, just because I was so nervous in college to speak in class what my, what my peers would think, what other people would think. And like just doing some sort of like talking in front of people, if it's for comedy, if it's poem, poetry, whatever, I think that's a skill that it's a soft skill, right? It's intangible a little, but through practice, if it's an internship, if it's public speaking for a whole semester, those are the skills that I think that I really wish I would have just become a practitioner more of than like fancy, like you know, 401, how to connect in a digital age marketing psychology. It's like, that's great. But like, I want to do things very tactically. I want to run a Facebook ad, you know, things like that that you you don't even talk about because the professors sometimes haven't had that experience because five years ago they didn't exist. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. That is probably the number one thing that I was going to bring up is just sort of that real world experience. And I think my alma mater, I mean, we're talking about, you know, 10 plus years ago now that I graduated, but um, I feel like Ripon College did a, a pretty good job overall of trying to to hook up students with internships and things like that. But I mean, even those typically are going to be during the summer. And um, to me, book learning, doing the lectures, doing homework, doing tests, unfortunately, it's just kind of like a part of it that is probably not going to go away anytime soon in our culture, mm-hmm. but just kind of that practical experience, which is why I think you know, for me getting involved with the student newspaper was, was huge. If I hadn't done that, I don't know what kind of track I would have ultimately gone Mm -hmm. down. But I mean, I really feel like I found my calling in really telling stories and going out to find stories outside of the classroom. Exactly. Outside of the classroom. And I feel like colleges and universities could probably do a better job of like making sure that their students are getting out there into the real world trying and failing and hopefully succeeding a little bit out there just to kind of learn what it's all about. But yeah, I mean, when I first, when I first got into college, um, you know, to me, it was just sort of like a next step kind of thing. Like, you know, you you keep going to school and it's like, okay, now I'm going to go to college. And I feel like really it's a situation where you can get as much out of it as you want to. And I think it really is incumbent upon really anyone who is going to, to college or university And uh, hopefully, you know, they get a little bit of guidance from a counselor or a professor that they really connect with and just getting out there, getting that real world stuff underway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In college, Q can attest to this. I just went around and did every single internship I could. Mm -hmm. And it was honestly because I was getting C's and D's in in class and I needed to set myself apart in some other way. And that like, I've learned, I learned so much that like people my age now are just starting to learn because they're getting that real world experience now rather than when Mm -hmm. I was getting it before. But like I had um, an acquaintance ask me the other day, Hey, what should, like, can you give my son some uh, advice on school? I, I like in school, she's like, I can't afford for him to go to school. Mm. And um, he can't afford to go into it. Like he would be going, putting himself in all these loans, mm-hmm. all this stuff. And it's, I don't ever want to be the guy that says, don't go to school, follow your passion, all that stuff. Because at the end of the day, it, there's probably like a one in what, 10,000 chance that um, 
you go through everything and you go and follow your passion and you actually make money off of it at the end of the day. So I told him straight up, I said, Hey, college or like all these corporations now are looking for high schoolers for internships now because high schoolers are holding themselves accountable. Whereas a lot of college students are doing it because, Oh, I have to do it. Mm -hmm. And the high schoolers are actually wanting to learn. And I told them, I was like, go apply for some internships if you like it and you actually want to go and do it then go to school and figure it out like that real world experience like you said and that has i mean he's close he's interviewing for positions with college students he's like should i should i be nervous i'm like no No. because they're if they are interviewing you like you're holding yourselves accountable you're already ahead because it's it's different it's that quote right it's different is always better than better right you know i think that's true like he's just he or she's just different because they came from high school and have a different work ethic. Right? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. School is a method. It's not the method. It yeah. works for some people. It doesn't work for everybody. That's really smart. Cause I, I think I was, you know, I was, as you were talking, I was thinking, obviously if you want to go be a pharmacist, right. Or a doctor, mm-hmm. it's not an, it's not an idea. Go from high school to go get an internship in the surgery department, right? Like you need to be able to have that schooling, right? Like there's there, that might be your passion, but yeah. You know, if you're creative, if you, if you want to do video, like volu- I think another Gary Vee thing I really, really like, and I try to talk to my younger brother a lot about is like working for free from the top of someone in their industry, mm-hmm. right? Like he wants to go into like sports administration, like minor league baseball, like isn't the kind of the foot, foot in the door. I said, yeah. go, we have, I'm from Beloit, Wisconsin. We have the snappers there. Yeah. It's like, go, we know people who work in that, like go work for free. Maybe they pay you seven fifty an hour, 10 bucks, whatever. But work for free. You have someone you can live with. Oh, yeah. Get that experience. Work next to the director of marketing and your career will take off from there. I don't know where it will go, but it'll show you if you love that career or, you know, if you're if you're up to that career or not, you know. So but that's that's just what I was thinking about as you were talking. Oh, yeah, completely. Like when I was doing internships at um, I did internships with the big the Bucks, the Brewers, the uh, even the Admirals. um, But I started with the Lakeshore Chinooks, which is a summer Mm -hmm. collegiate team here and. What they attract, maybe a good night is 2,000 people, which is great for them. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to start like I was, I used to come home at night. Uh, we were college roommates and he oh, used nice. to laugh at me because I would have like trash. I was literally picking up, I was a game day marketing and operations mm. internship. Fancy, and fancy title. <laughs> fancy title for, I was a janitor. I was cleaning the mm. toilets. I was making sure I was washing my hands. But then after that I was serving food. Like it was, I was doing every, I was doing everything. I put up the outfield signs. Yeah. (laughs) And, but that internship, because I did it so well, um, opened up doors like with the brewers, with the bucks, with all that stuff. So I encourage your brother to do that. It's a humbling experience, but then it opens those doors. Oh yeah, definitely. I feel like, so, I mean, for you guys, your college experience, I mean, what a door opened for the two of you in that respect. I mean, how, how much do you feel like college, and that experience of just meeting people and making connections, like how important was that versus even maybe some of the schooling? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, that's, it's, I can never say it's bullshit. Like people ask me all the time, like, uh, like was college worth it? And I a thousand percent want to say no, but like it was because again, we were college Mm -hmm. roommates. And again, Mm -hmm. like I got this internship and I, my mindset Uh changed, like, it was worth it, but it was, again, the connections and the mm-hmm. relationships and the doors that opened. So, yeah, I agree. 1,000% worth it. Maybe not worth the amount of debt I'm in right now, <laughs> but uh, yeah. it, it was worth long. it. Like, I wouldn't be in Milwaukee right now. I wouldn't be part of, like, this 
People yeah. say the renaissance of the city. And yeah. I mean, we wouldn't be in the, in, the, in here right now no. uh, if I didn't make the decision to go to school. So yeah. 100% worth it. Maybe the pricing needs to change or something like that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty tricky. I mean, it's uh, compared to inflation and minimum wage. I mean, and it, oh, it's, it's crazy how it kills, expensive it is. It kills you. Dude, it's going towards a cliff economic, like based on economics, yeah. like college debt is going towards a cliff that will really, I mean, you talk about like the top 10% of those brands might survive, but like uh, extra brand. I mean, that's, yeah. I don't, I don't see how they will survive when kids realize they can get internships and go straight into the workforce and not just trade work. Right. That maybe right. like, Oh, I want to, you know, maybe you can go be a plumber or you can go be a, you know, work a really you know, tough job somewhere else. But like, no, now you can do anything you want and you don't have to pay 40 K or whatever. Exactly. You know, as on average. There's so. a guy that uh, Q met with the other day, literally multimillionaire drives around this, Beautiful car. Mm-hmm. Didn't go to school. He yeah. coded himself. He taught himself how to code. He taught himself about social media ads, all that stuff. No, he built connections and yeah. relationships. Like he works yeah. with Ty Lopez, dude. Like wow. he doesn't code. He doesn't do anything. Like, I mean, he, he's really good at what he does, but he just builds these teams around him. Like, wow. And he, he went and did it. He, yeah. Again, sweat equity. Yo, I'll yeah. work for you. You, you teach it. me. Like, got to put in that 21 work. 21 years old. Nobody knows about him here, which is freaking ridiculous, but yeah. freaking beast. Yeah. Yeah. Which also shows he's humble and wasn't yeah. doing it to be yeah. noticed. He's yep. just like, oh, I have the urge to work and I'm going to work until it pays off, right? And exactly. That's, I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. I want to I go back to something he said, because um, I used to have like this belief that um, someone would bring in a resume. Hey, I worked at Subway. I worked at the mall here. Boom, 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 boom. And I'd be like, no, you don't have the experience. Mm. No, you can't work with mm-hmm. us. And now, like... I don't know what's changed in me, but I totally value the, yeah, I'm going to go do what I have to do and work at Subway and, and make money so I can make ends meet. So I just want to ask you guys, like, what are some jobs or careers or things that you did that maybe you didn't want to do, but they taught you a lot? Mm. Landscaping. That was, I mean, you want to talk about sweat equity, <laughs> working summers <laughs> and, great. you know, just wearing like a tank top and shorts and just sweating it out. And, you know, of course we had, you know, riding lawnmowers, but I mean, there were some days where you're building a retaining wall or you're like digging up the stump of a tree that you cut down and stuff where it's just like, man, I got to really, really work. And it was, it's so much when you're doing landscaping too. So, okay. Work, hard work. I learned from that. I mean, for me, like the book stuff was always like relatively easy, you know, read a couple chapters, whatever, but hard work with landscaping And then uh, another big thing that I learned there was the details, because Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of times when there's a person who's hiring you to do work for landscaping, they want it to be perfect. They've got their, you know, super expensive flowers and bushes and trees, and they want to make sure that they look really, really nice. Oh, yeah. So you can't go in there and just be, you know, hacking stuff up like you got to be very careful, very particular Every little detail matters. Mm -hmm. And I mean, a a lot of what we do now, too, in PR and social media, it is those little details that you've always got to be cognizant of. You know, you're using the right word that, you know, you're not uh, totally looking like a a doofus. Um, You know, it's it's very important that you've got all the little all the little details, you know, minding your P's and Q's, all that stuff. So respect, bro. (laughs) My my first job was at. my grandparents started a, a 
pool pool company, right? Like backdoor, but the backyard like equipment, but mostly pool installation. They started that like in the fifties, I believe. No, it's a fifty year anniversary. So so good tradition there. I got to learn from like family business. But going in, I don't know if anyone has worked in a family business here, but there mm-hmm. there's there's so much. There's like there's immediate politics of yeah. mixing family and business. We all mm-hmm. know that, right? So I think that taught me a little bit how to sometimes shut my mouth, put my head down, and just work and not get distracted by politics and just I'm going to work right. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned how to deal with customers right away. I was just in customer service at the, at the desk, effectively at the front counter, and that taught me how to deal with crabby people, with happy people, and kind of find and not get. Uh, I'm very I'm, <laughs> I'm very extroverted. I feed off a lot of energy from other people, but I think that taught me how to kind of ride a middle wave, not get really low from horrible customers or really high from super thankful customers. Um, and then more recently I worked as a wedding caterer for like one summer in college. Right. And I think similar to landscaping that taught me humble, I mean, taught me humility for sure. Um, you know, like obviously serving people food, but then also cleaning up old food. Right. I mean, that's simple. It puts you in your spot a little like, Hey, I'm working hard for this. I'm going to earn my money, but it's like, you know, this is not what I want to do the rest of my life. Right. Um, but I think both of those jobs taught me a little bit of, of understanding what service is about and kind of understanding no matter where I am or how successful or how unsuccessful I am, I'm always going to treat other people with empathy and respect. Cause I think empathy is one of those things that is such a trait that people have trouble with. Um, and it can be applied to anything from you and I talking to me and my dad talking to big brand, talking to small brand, whatever that is. I think a lot of people always lead with their, how they feel in that moment, their self-interest versus saying, well, I wonder where that other person's coming from. What, what kind of bad day do they have? Right. And that, I think those service jobs really teach you how to have that empathy for service providers or yourself or other people in the, in the future too. No, I agree. I think for sure. And that's why, again, like my opinion has just completely changed. Like I, so much respect for people that do what they have to do because you do learn a lot about yourself in those situations and you learn a lot that you're going to take with yourself or take with you in those in those next situations, next jobs that you have. Yeah. I do want to pivot a bit. Um, again, like back to PR and back to branding because you guys mm-hmm. do an incredible job. Big part of that is being able to sell yourself. So I want to mm-hmm. ask you guys, like one, like why, if I'm a company, why do I come to you guys? But also two, like how are you helping me set myself apart? Let's say I'm mm-hmm. a big, big corporation, whatever, whatever kind of company you want me to be, that's what I am. I'll okay. be whatever you want. But okay. Why am I coming to you? And then how are you helping me set myself apart? Yeah, right on. Um, well, something that we've talked a lot about already today, relationships. So, I mean, in terms of you know, fairly traditional channels, whether it's, you know, TV or newspaper, you know, print media, um, we've, we've got avenues to people who are writing these stories, telling these stories on TV already. So, I mean, we've got those connections. So if you are a little shy or a little afraid with, you know, how do I go to the media with my story? Well, we can help you do that. That's what we do. Um, Additionally, being sort of an outside person, I mean, everyone kind of knows their own story and it's easy for you to sometimes forget that not everyone knows exactly how you got to where you are or what does set you apart. And we can kind of come in with fresh eyes and really, you know, examine where you're at, how you got to where you are, what what makes you newsworthy. So, I mean, we can really kind of look at you with a, you know, not to put you under the microscope, but I mean, we can look at you very closely yeah. and kind of figure out, all right, you know, who are you and what's our angle in with the media? And again, 
knowing certain media members, we know that, you know, oh, maybe this person is really into uh, religion or this person is really into the self-starter story. And we can kind of, you know, help cut through all of the fat uh, and layers of, you know, who do I go to to talk to about my story? And we can get you there with fresh eyes, hopefully, and a good angle. And I think a real tactical approach response to that because Ken covered kind of our strategy and how we approach clients. I think from like a social media perspective where we're doing a lot of the community management, if it's writing content. And I think a a problem with a lot of brands when they come to us is that social media has become almost a, it's truly a buzzword. It it truly, truly is a buzzword right now. And I think some people think that if I have a Facebook, if I have, let's let's keep it simple. If I have a Facebook and a Twitter, maybe they haven't even gone on Instagram yet. Maybe they have, but they feel like if they just put out their, the top, Top five things on their website, right? Contact me about us. But if they literally have that as their content calendar and like horrible photos as the link previews, like I hate when people do that, like low res link previews make me go crazy. When they, when they do that, I feel like it's, it's kind of a selfish way that brand like without being knowing they're being selfish, it's very selfish move because I think Brands don't realize that you cannot just put out content on social media like it's your website. It truly is you're reaching out to people in that scenario. But a lot of times brands will think that they have the right because they are a self-proclaimed brand, right? They're a business that they have the right to throw things at you, right? And I use that analogy like like they have a, you know, a message on a piece of paper and they're literally throwing it at people when they post. And I think one way that we usually approach it similar to like how you tell a PR story from a social media perspective, um we always are trying to make it seem like you're extending a hand to have a conversation. You're extending, you're extending out an invite to have that conversation with someone because, you know, there's so many bulk scheduling tools, Hootsuite, Sprout, where people are like, well, I'll schedule out for the month. Like that is the worst thing ever. Like we'll do it maybe three, four, five days out in advance. Like just because, you know, to not have us go crazy every day, but you need to have a real human running that for you. Because if you just bulk schedule, because, you know, let's say you're a small business owner and you have your niece in high school do it because she has an Instagram page that is not going to convert into any true ROI for your business. So you have to go back to empathy. Even if you're the biggest brand in the world, you have to have empathy on social media, knowing that the people who are hating you might also have had a bad day. They might be uneducated because you haven't provided them the enough content marketing to understand the problem that they're facing. Um, you know, or even the, the people who are really happy might just, you know, are one instance and they can all of a sudden lose you as a customer the, the next day if you don't if you don't treat them right. Um, we work with Eagle River Chamber of Commerce way up north mm-hmm. and and we have run their social media, started an Instagram page and grown that. And from a really specific point of view, we're trying to tap into creators right now because we're seeing a movement where people are going up there with drones. They're taking high quality video and photos up there. So it's like, OK, that's good from getting the younger demographic from Milwaukee, from Chicago up there. Creators or documenters. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thank you. Kevin. And and I think the, the, the main part there that we're trying to do is is give love to those people and feature them. Right. And, and tag their handles because that simple saying, Hey, look at this photo. We love this photo. We're using this photo. And then giving them the love back is not only going to encourage them to create more, but it's going to spark conversation 
And you can't think that Eagle River is the conversation. Eagle River is a part of a larger conversation about vacationing in the North Woods. Yeah. And I think that is the biggest thing that people do not understand that just because you're a business does not mean the com- you are the center of the conversation. You are one link on this larger conversation that probably is a Venn diagram of 75 interest levels, right? So I think we always try to approach it with a empathy and kind of, you know, forest through the trees idea of like maybe people don't understand what they're missing right now and, and kind of how selfish they're coming across on their digital platforms right now. Yeah, just to kind of move on a, a tangent and you know riff off of that a little bit from a social media perspective is I feel like a lot of our clients, um, before they come to us, I mean, some of them have a pretty good understanding of social media. Others might use it as kind of like their own personal like classified section or <laughs> like the website like yeah. Sam was talking about. Yeah. And it's a very like hard sell all the time. And from maybe a sponsored ad perspective, like that might make a little bit more sense, but you really need to have this more like pure type of organic social media going on where you are constantly engaging your community, growing your community there and just really, you know, fostering their development and understanding of the experience or product that you have. Um, it's, it's less about really selling yourself as it is really kind of uh, promoting other people around you to that have helped make you successful. Mm-hmm. I think that's and, and Eagle River. I mean, a great example of that, uh, that Sam talked about there with the, you know, the creators, the documenters, if you will, of, you know, people up there sharing some like really super awesome content and then giving them love back. And it's amazing how those types of posts really generate a ton of engagement and great feedback and conversations. Yeah. Um, Good grief. The, uh, the one that you, the, the video that you put up there yeah. uh, was, was phenomenal. Just, you know, like a few deer and, and a couple of deer and turkey in the backyard from a person who lived up there. And it, it was like, we had like, just to give perspective, it was like a 3000% increase in reach week over week, right? Just like a, a truly viral wow. post for yeah. that, for that page. And it, you know, to us, it's like deer and turkey like and snow. Okay. But like, it's a simple, we, we threw out a, a you know, a, an olive branch to the community to say, Hey, look at this. This is cool. And we step back and let them talk. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing. You're not driving that conversation. You're just giving them something to talk about. Mm-hmm. So That's incredible. What do you guys like? It seems like you guys are mad passionate about what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, what's the, what's been the most, what's been the most, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a good one. I don't, man, I don't it's know. A good I don't one. live in your brain. It's a good one. It's a good one. Okay. <laughs> What's, what's been the most, um, fun project for you guys to work on? That wasn't mm. the word, by the way. Fun no. was not the word just to let you know. Yeah. It's most, like fulfilling maybe or satisfactory or, uh, most proud of, let's, let's yeah, go that way. Yeah. Let's go that way. Proud of. Oh boy. Um, I, that's, that's a, that's a difficult one just because I don't want to necessarily, you know, say one client is better than another. Ooh. I mean, we've got, we've got, you know, so we've got yes. <laughs> he just all, all of our, we love all of our clients equally. <laughs> uh, you know, there, are, there are some that tend to be a little bit more technical, a little more B2B. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I mean, I guess, you know, in, in a, in a weird sort of way, even though, um, this client might not be deemed by many as exciting. I find the world of loading dock equipment and workplace safety to be a very interesting and fulfilling 
uh, client to work with. Um, uh, right height is like one of our largest, uh, PR clients and they're, they're super awesome to work with. And, yeah. um, speaking about, you know, uh, talking about passion, um, for a topic that many people don't know a lot about, they are extremely passionate about the products that they make and the service that they provide. And so honestly, like working with them, like kind of gets me really like going and, and into it. And, um, you know, some, definitely some good people there. Uh, and definitely like, like working with them. Um, it's, it's a unique kind of world that they live in though, too, in the, in this B2B kind of world. I mean, we're going to trade publications where uh, a magazine like modern materials handling is like one of the, the big, big time publications. Huh. Never heard of it before I started working. <laughs> you at would BNL never pick that, that up right ever. Right. Yeah. But uh, in, in a lot of ways, like I, I find a lot of fun with that, uh, partially because those types of trade publications are always looking for new content and because Right Height is constantly making new products, we've always got some new stuff to give them. So it's always kind of nice to be like the, the, the good guy, the hero almost, you know, I can kind of serve that role of, oh, you need a, you know, you're talking about bridging the gap from loading dock facility to the back end of a trailer guess what? We got a new leveler that we can talk about. Nice. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's something that is definitely enjoyable for me and kind of a quirk in a quirky sort of way. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. I think from a, a local perspective, and, and I think it's something that's just unique that we recently worked on was we helped um, when Paps came back to Milwaukee and it was like mm. two summers ago. Now we, we helped bring the, brewery, the microbrewery here with just a PR and, and social and kind of overall campaign buzz campaign. And that was just really fun from like a local Milwaukee perspective, because I think that was, I was just recently moved here although I've grown up in Wisconsin, I really, I think we really got to tell like the story of Milwaukee as well as like the story of Pabst um, awesome. as you know, we, we got to hit it in the Washington post and you know, some national coverage that way. And that was, I think just rewarding because like you guys obviously love Milwaukee right now, you know, two, two years later after, you know, we got to tell that. And I think that you, you use the word Renaissance, which I think is perfect for, for where we are right now, but telling the story kind of initially after moving here, that was really rewarding for us and, and some true, like a true case study for us to say, Hey, like we brought a brand here that used to be here and embattled brand slightly and said, Hey, no, like this is a new, this is a new ownership. This is a new, new cause. And we're, we're excited to be back in Milwaukee because of X, Y, and Z. That's awesome. I'm jealous. Back in Milwaukee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Pabst just became really this brand. I mean, Miller, well, there was the legal battle there that uh, recently ended. Yeah. And quite frankly, I don't know exactly it was, it was quite, what the terms the of it were. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there was, was many bags of money sent yeah. <laughs> under yes. the table. Under the table, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, but I mean the fact that they're doing their own like small batch brewing here is is interesting, just because yeah. you know, brewing had like fallen on the wayside for Pabst. They just oh, became yeah. this like this brand more than anything else. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Definitely, that was a that was a fun that was a unique was project to to work on. And, yeah, yeah. I'm mad jealous. I used to be obsessed with Pabst. He was. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He I, was. I was actually really excited uh, when they came. Well, when the microbrewery came and yeah. everything like that, went a couple times, and I have far foregone beer. Um, so, like in your life, in that's what life. we're drinking. Lacroix. Yeah, okay. normally it'd be beer. If it was just me, it'd be beer. So. Hey, that's <laughs> Lacroix beer. It's alright. Easy. If it was Friday, I would be pissed. No. I'm kidding. Um, Good no, for you though. That's a that's a big change, honestly. But yeah. in Milwaukee, I feel like a lot of people are like, "Why would you do that?" Yeah, but, <laughs> right. yeah. 
Well, it's like I, when Aaron Rodgers said he was gonna, you know, eat cheese anymore. People yeah, are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> trade him, trade him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, Bears fan. Okay, <laughs> please, <laughs> we'll give him to the Lions. He still have to play him two times a year. Right. Sweet. Um, I think we have a few questions for yeah. you yet, but there's one that I was just asked that I struggled with a lot. Don't know why, but I want to see how you guys answer it. What question do you think? No, what question do you wish we would have asked you? Right now on the show. Yeah. Hmm. It's hard, right? <laughs> that is. And they reframed it. Like, what would you, what would you, what do you want to leave the viewers with? If that helps. Hmm. Okay. I guess more to your second, second yeah. reframing. Um, because, and I'll turn it on me because it's something that I've been trying to like think about and practice in my own life is I think back to the word of empathy. And I think right now with the the world of social, social media, people are so caught up in like the perfect lighting, the perfect time, kind of giving that fake environment of like, especially Instagram. Right. And I, th- I, I think I would just challenge listeners. And this is not like a, I'm doing it perfectly. So therefore you should listen to what I did. I truly am not doing it perfectly. But if, if there's a way you can audit yourself, um, spend a week, you know, maybe giving love to other people on social media, really flip your concept of why it is use the word social, right? I think people are focusing more on the word media and it's turning more into like a production versus why is it social media first, right? We would be calling it, you know, rom-coms and Netflix if it was just media, right? And I think flipping your understanding of what social is, if you're a brand, if you're an individual, if you're a Facebook group, if you, you know, if you, you know, drop the jealousy, drop the comparisons on social media and focus more on like giving love no matter what size page you are or what, what platform you're on. I love that. That was good. Yeah. My, (laughs) my, uh, my response would be, uh, PR is hard. (laughs) (laughs) I like that though. It's, it's, uh, it's not something that you can just kind of like wake up and do. There's, there's gotta be a a strategy behind it. It's got to fit really overall with any kind of marketing that you're doing. It's, and uh, it's not something that you can just think about and do later. I think there's a, a perception Um, so, I mean, honestly, it's kind of like PR needs to do some PR for itself. There's, there's this public perception that PR is almost easy or not that important. Um, and I would argue that it, uh, especially in today's day and age is critical. I mean, you look at, uh, so many millennials that are out there, largest demographic that's out there on the planet right now. And millennials like to kind of stumble upon things themselves. They kind of like to, uh, figure things out for themselves or maybe mm-hmm. hear about it from a close personal friend. They don't like being sold hard sells mm-hmm. all the time. No infomercials. It's like some, sometimes I feel like I've got a lot of friends who are turned off by something because it's like, oh, damn, I've seen this, you know, freaking Dodge ad, you know, a thousand times during yeah. this football game. I'm never getting a Dodge. Yep. And I mean, it's like, okay, what, what do they do to kind of position themselves um, in the, in the public arena? And uh, so, I mean, I, I would say to, to your listeners, uh, viewers that, uh, you know, really think long and hard about what your PR strategy is, how you're going to do it, how you're going to execute it um, and, and be prepared in that arena. 
I like that. It's real. It's awesome. Yeah. It's not what they tell you in school. <laughs> I didn't know what PR was. I actually asked, I didn't know what marketing was either. <laughs> I like that. That's real. Um, almost lastly, what makes you a misfit? What about you individually goes against the grain? Mm-hmm. I was the kid who, uh, when we were playing with, when I was playing with friends and uh, in the old county grounds, uh, right off of Watertown Plank Road in, in Tosa. Now it's like just a parking structure for the medical college. Uh, in the county grounds, you know, we play you know, soccer, football, baseball, all these kinds of things. And, you know, I love playing that. I feel like I'm a little bit of a natural athlete, kind of maybe some point in middle school just kind of fell off the map, but that's okay. <laughs> but I was the kid who also had a notebook with him and I was keeping track of plays and stats. Mm. And I think Sam could even attest to that. With he our, he with coached our, our softball team <laughs> and he had a 10 tab Google doc, Google spreadsheet of everyone's stats. Like no kidding. There were probably 20 category like it was more extensive than an mlb game like no kidding and like it was actually fun because you got to like track your stats throughout the year but it was it was extensive that's awesome so i'm so i'm i'm a bit of uh like this this nerd and you know i i like scored through the roof some like act for math and science and you know english was really poor communication was poor so naturally of course here i am as a communicator (laughs) (laughs) english major communication minor you know it was something that has always kind of challenged me but i think uh in my heart of hearts i'm sort of this like you know math nerd bomber type of guy who uh now enjoys looking at all the the metrics that we get and to find out ways that we can improve on what we're doing so uh yeah maybe something that's just kind of a little weird about me a little quirky yeah i like it a lot i'll go i'll go a little deep but then spin it spin it (laughs) (laughs) not deep not deep to end the show um but so like uh, I was a junior in college and uh, my mom passed away from cancer. Mm-hmm. And like, so that was like a two year battle where it was like, oh God, like you're in college, you're supposed to be having the time of your life, right? Like it's mm-hmm. a four year vacation. And so that was like a very maturing moment for me, right? Obviously. Um, and I think that's, and a lot of people are like, you know, why are, why are you so positive? Like, like almost like the girlfriend, so like originally when we started dating, she would be like, yeah. like I, I tell you something bad and you spin it. Like, I hate that. Right. And, you know, and I think there's like a, I think the reason I would be considering myself as like a misfit is like, I always lead with positivity because of those things, right? Everyone's lost someone. I don't think that my situation is like, oh, it's, you're so special and you're struggling or whatever, but having lost someone. And, if, you know, if it's a grandma, if it's a mom, if it's a brother, sister, whatever that is, I think it, it truly sobers you up to and I go back to the social media giving love. It sobers you up to any micro moment in your life. I think you can always realize that someone else has it worse than you at this point right now. And I think if more people led with that. I think the world would definitely be a more uh, fluid place, not like perfect, but it would definitely be a more uh, fluid and collaborative place. So I, I just think that a reason I'm a misfit is because I think you know, I've, I've been blessed, but also cursed with, with things like that, with some obstacles, but being able to spin things positively in an authentic way, I think is something that I'm always going to try to hold on to. It's something I always struggle with because everyone has something they're depressed by. Someone always has something that they, you know, that they're struggling with. If it's bad grades, if it's a breakup, if it's, you know, a sickness, whatever that is, I just think that we can all be a little bit better at, at hopefully finding that the positive angle, but in an authentic way, not, not being a PR spin, obviously, you know, like going back to our, our title, you know, not spinning it just for the sake of spinning it, but, but flipping it because it's 
it's a, a better way to live your life. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's incredible, dude. It is. I appreciate both of you. Lastly, yeah. where can people find you? Where can they learn more? Where should they check you out individually and collectively? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have like too many handles now. Don't we? <laughs> Jeez. Go ahead. Sam. Okay. Talk about the, uh, talk about the, talk about Belter Lincoln ones. Yeah. So, so belterlincoln.com is, is the, so like Abraham Lincoln, Belter, B-O-E, belterlincoln.com is just uh, the agency website. All the all the work there that we do is up there. Um, but then, uh, as Q mentioned, he was on our podcast, which we started through B&L called the Marketing IQ podcast. Um, we just, you know, we like talk to different marketing and kind of really spin it more directed towards marketing and, and digital and really dive deep. Um, so we don't have a handle for that. You can just find that all on all the, all the Belter and Lincoln um, Facebook, Instagram pages like that. Um, otherwise, it, personally, I'm just uh, the Burnsy nine on everything. <laughs> Dig that. Yeah, as that's called eighth grade. Uh, what do I do with this? I've never called him that. No, 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 no one calls me it. Literally, no one. It's like no. it sounds stupid, but it's like I do when we're playing. We're gonna softball. start calling it's too funny. <laughs> don't ever know. But that's gotta me. change it, man. PR. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, my uh, my Instagram and, and Twitter presence could be stronger. I believe I'm just uh, K Laviska there, you know, at <laughs> K Laviska. Yeah. yeah, just uh, owning that handle. Not too many K Laviskas out there. L e i v i s k a. Awesome, nice. Appreciate you, dudes. Yeah, thank yeah. you guys. Thanks oh, for thanks for having us. It's uh, it's been a great time. We've got an awesome space, and uh, it was a fantastic interview. Thank you guys again for tuning into this week's episode. Ken and Sam are fantastic and they know a lot about their industry and I've learned a lot from them just watching them and listening to their podcast. So if you want to learn more about them, feel free to look in the description below or in the show notes and you will find that. And I almost said until next time, I'll see you on the internet. What the fuck? What? Show notes and then what? Show Subs- notes, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys again for tuning into this week's episode of the Urban Misfit Show. I learned a lot from Sam and Ken. If you want to learn more about them or find their podcast, you can find that in the show notes or in the description below. Again, we would love it if you love what you heard. If you could subscribe to our channel or leave us a review on iTunes, that would mean the world. Peace.